This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversation with hosts Leah Lem and Dr. Anthony Stately. COVID-19 Community Conversation is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anin, hello, I'm Leo Lem. And I'm Anthony Staley. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country and Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwech and thank you all for joining us. Absolutely. We are back again with another conversation. It's always nice to talk with you, Anthony Stately. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's really nice to talk with you again as well, Leah. And how are you doing? What's what I'm, is there anything new with you? Well, you know, I mean, um, it's summer, school's over, and kids are, you know, um, if they're if anybody anybody else's kids are like mine, they're running from the school and celebrating their freedom um, and the mm-hmm. opportunity back to be back outside and gathering with friends and you know doing the things that kids do during the summer. So you know, that's how it is. Absolutely. I know Marvin, my son, goes to a summer camp, and each day I've picked him up, he's covered in dirt, and he's got, like, twigs in his hair, and, (laughs) you know, a scraped elbow. So I think his summer's already been pretty productive in that respect. Yeah, So, I mean, he's just been off a couple days, but it's, it's nice to see him getting dirty and learning through... Uh, through <laughs> and learning through being outside instead of yeah. at a desk. Yeah, that's really important for kids to be outside. Yeah, yeah, it's really good to see. So, I I really like these conversations with you, Anthony Stately, because you bring a lot of your expertise to these conversations. And once again, we'll be hearing you know a bit about what's going on at the Native American Community Clinic, and. We'll also hear from folks around Minnesota on the topics we're covering today. Yes, and today on the show, we're going to be looking at vaccines and boosters for kids and um, parents navigating the pandemic stress. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even more particularly, those vaccines and boosters for our youngest of relatives, the ones that aren't, that don't have the opportunity just yet. So things are changing week to week, day to day with COVID vaccines for our youngest relatives. It is pretty complex making those decisions Yeah. Uh, when it comes to or getting the vaccine, you know, because the parents ultimately make that decision for their children. Yeah. And then also it's been, you know, it's been quite the journey to figure out like the right dosage for you know, the wee ones, which is what I like to call them, those little babies, you know, six months and above. They're 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 not just little adults. They're actually, you know, they're they're small human beings that have, you know, um, different sort of tolerances for different kinds of things. And so mm-hmm. it, it, I, I think it's taken us quite a while to get here. I know that I know I know many, many friends and relatives who have given birth to babies in the last couple of um, over the last eighteen months or so, who are have been anxiously awaiting for this arrival, right? The opportunity to be able to, you know, have their child um, vaccinated for COVID nineteen and be a little bit more protected and enjoy the benefits that many of the folks five and above have 
party mm-hmm. than um, um, being able to enjoy. And I think um, so that I know that anxiety that many parents have been struggling with people I know for sure, some of them is probably a relief, but it, and it has taken us quite a while to get here, but there's a reason for that. It was studied very carefully, looked mm-hmm. at very, um, you know, uh, we needed to get enough data, enough participants to participate in national studies so that we could be sure and that, that the, the right dosage was going to be at the safe dosage dosage for those, those little ones. Mm-hmm. Yep, and there's a bunch of headlines here for mm-hmm. and a possible or one or two upcoming vaccines available for our young ones yeah. um, through Pfizer and Moderna, um, and that's kind of a, a shifting, a shifting. T- uh, sorry, it's a little bit of a moving target. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think some of that is is because um, you know they they generally have the same sort of underpinning for the uh, vaccines. They're both um, mRNA vaccines, so they have similar structures. Each of the two uh, companies that developed the different vaccines, I think, have tried um, different dosage levels with their with their studies, and so um, they are. I think what's confusing perhaps even to sort of like those of us, like the people who sort of kind of bring the news to people, but also to like the medical community and also to the to, to patients is the confusion around like, why does one have, you know, three shots of 10% of the adult dose? Why does the other one have, you know, four shots of like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, you know, it's a calculus. Um, and I think one of the things I want to just remind people of like, you know, um, about vaccine development and the science behind developing and studying vaccines is that um, it's not like making pancakes where you can, you know, you know, substitute a cup of water um, for a cup of milk and, and you achieve the same result. Basically, it's not like that. There's, there's a lot more that goes into that calculus. And so um, just understanding that, you know, it's carefully studied and evaluated and looked at. And what, and some of the things we're looking at is not just the efficacy of it. Like we're trying to achieve the highest efficacy, meaning the mm-hmm. most impact that it can have on sort of mitigating infection, serious disease and illness, and of course, death and mortality. Of course, we're trying to achieve that, but we're also trying to make sure that we're not having too many deleterious side effects for, for, for their host, right? The, the baby or the child. And that all takes time to figure out. And, you know, I'm just reading some kind of preliminary data on the Pfizer pediatric COVID-19 vaccine. The th- I believe it's the three-dose mm-hmm. version has an efficacy of just about 80%. And when we read that, what does that mean then? That means that if you're exposed to COVID, then 80% of the time you'll be protected from getting it? The 80% efficacy rate means that out of the pool of individuals that the study sort of used, so 80% of the time, those who received the vaccination um, achieved um, protection, right? 
Okay. It's not, um, it's, not a, it's not a rate that is individualized to you, the one person. It's a, the, the vaccine has an efficacy rate when it's utilized properly, and, and it's probably also um, specifically related to um, um, the specific dosing schedule that they have, which is like you get the first two doses within three weeks, and then you get the, follow, the third dose um, two months later. It's kind of like what we had to do as adults. We had to, you know, we had higher efficacy in achieving protection if we did the full series of, mm. of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And so, recognizing and understanding that efficacy is the higher rate of efficacy is is achieved when you do the full recommended dosing schedule. Mm-hmm. And to have the availability of the pediatric vaccine, which is ages six months to four years for these upcoming hopefully approved vaccines. That's 20 million children in the United States who would then be able to get the COVID vaccine. Yeah, that's not insignificant. That's a very large population, Mm -hmm. very large group of individuals, right? Mm -hmm. And also one of the most vulnerable right now because they we know generally that children from the time they're born until probably about three, four years old, they're still developing their, their immunity, right? Especially in their first year, like they're really developing their, their, that's why you have to take them in so many times for long child checks and get mm-hmm. vac- other vaccinations for them so that they don't get sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's also some data that talks about how parents are thinking about the Mm -hmm. pediatric vaccine and under 20 percent it looks like are looking are are ready to go are eager to get their child vaccinated and then nearly 40 percent are kind of in the wait and see category and then just over 25 percent of parents are like definitely not going to get their child uh, vaccinated, mm-hmm. and then there's another about ten percent who are like, mm, if we're required, we'll get it. So there's like yeah. a whole range of plans. As I mean, as the wider population, it's it's similar. Mm-hmm. So it it's not unexpected, but you know we'll see what the vaccination rate will be. I guess after the rollout of the vaccines. Yeah, and I think. Um, I think that's a, that there's a, a lot of parents who, even if they, they themselves took the vaccine and they felt confident about it, right? They, they, they didn't have any significant issues with it. I can understand why a parent might be a little ambivalent and on the fence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about things like my own way that I think about my life is like, you know, I'm going to be much more cautious about what, I want my children to be sort of exposed to. I'm going to be a little bit more diligent in protecting their life, which is odd when you think about it, right? It's like, wait a minute, I'm their parent. I'm responsible for them. I should mm-hmm. protect my life as much as I protect theirs. But I just think people are anxious and ambivalent sometimes when it comes to like what their children might have to endure, right? None of us want to see our children sick. None of us want to see our children, you know, have difficulties or a hard time. or even be uncomfortable sometimes. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Right. And again, you know, really boils down to having 
good information and taking mm-hmm. time with that decision-making process mm-hmm. um, and making decisions that you can live with. Yep. Um, and that's 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 our role as a parent, too, <laughs> for a lot oh, of for things. Sure, for sure, for sure. I think it's our hardest job, quite frankly, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, everything from do they get to drive a car to, you know, um, you know do I let them eat that instead of this other thing? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, those are innocuous, maybe, in some ways. Maybe not the driving the car thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, my, yeah, like, you know, I, I wrestle with that practically every day, actually, quite frankly. So, yeah. Yeah. I have very active teenagers that are a little reckless at times. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that era in my child. I just, we'll see what happens. You, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> you're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. And today we're talking about vaccines and boosters for children, specifically the pediatric vaccine. And of course, how parents are navigating pandemic stress. And we have a couple community members who are going to weigh in on that topic. And first up is Bethany Johnson. Bonjour, my name is Bethany Johnson. I'm from Chisholm. I am enrolled with the Red Lake Band of Ojibwe, and I am currently a stay-at-home mom, and I go to school full-time. I'm working on my bachelor's degree. My main considerations for having my daughter vaccinated is her safety and other people's safety. My family is not the only families whose lives matter. Everybody deserves, you know, a fighting chance against COVID, you know. It's not it's not right to just worry about yourself, but it's important to care about the well-being of those around you. It's to protect others as well. And we've talked about it and she knows that it's the right thing to do to protect other people and she trusts, you know, that I am being honest and forthcoming with her. And I fully understand that parents may have reservations about getting the vaccine for their young children. It's scary when you don't fully understand or know what's going to happen. But I think that, you know, if we trust doctors to treat us when we get sick, we can trust their you know, their opinions and their education and their research on something as important as this. And I know that, you know, there are some side effects, but for me, it was very mild, maybe at most uncomfortable. And I did discuss that with my daughter, that she might feel icky, but it's better than getting so sick or getting somebody else sick. Do you have any practices or stress relief strategies that have been helpful? For stress relief, we like to take walks or do yoga or gardening now that it's warmer. We're not very extroverted family to begin with, but it has been difficult not to be able to see friends and family. But we have been able to 
you know, learn some new things and kind of work on things we didn't have the time for before, like beadwork or some other art projects we really enjoyed. What advice or encouragement do you want to share with other parents? I just want other parents to know that I fully understand wanting the pandemic to be over and just feeling so fatigued from everything. It's not over and all we can do is our best and I fully understand being scared or apprehensive about getting vaccinated or getting your children vaccinated, but it's not too late and you can do it. And I know that most people do care about other people, not just themselves. So if you can like view it in that light, maybe that might help people feel a little more comfortable. Miigwech so much for listening. And I hope that everybody, you know, makes the choices that's best for their family. And, you know, just stay safe. Wonderful. That was Chaz Wagner chatting with Bethany Johnson, a parent and also making those those decisions for her child. Is there anything that pops out to you, Anthony? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that I loved about her conversation is that she acknowledged how how difficult that can be as a parent to sort of like make that decision. But she also talked about how important she's. To, she also talked about how she's. She talked with her daughter. She explained things to her daughter. I mean, I'm assuming her daughter's like you know probably two and above or able to sort of kind of consolidate that information. But she's also trying to, she's demonstrating through her words and her actions um, and imbuing um, really important cultural values to her daughter about like how important it is to sort of like think about not just yourself, but think about like, you know, that you can get other people sick, that you, you we want to keep other people safe. It's an important um it's an important value for us as Native people to sort of kind of show up in the world and be a good relative and protect the rest of our, the rest of the world, right? The rest of our family, um, our extended family and, uh, and the human, the human relatives that are, that live among us, that it's important for us to do those things. And I think that she did a really great job of explaining that. I think that's a calculus that we, have to try to sort of encourage our our relatives in our community that are struggling with this decision making process to understand, you know, um, that um, this is a piece of this. This is not just about necessarily keeping your child safe. If your child goes to daycare or your child is out and about and doing other things at like day camps or summer camps or in the classrooms and those things, that child could pick up one of the um, Omicron variants or the COVID variants, bring it home to maybe an elder that lives in your family or an extended family that doesn't have um, protection or has less protection because they have a, they have a um, compromised immune system or something like that. Helping, helping folks to sort of kind of look at what's in front of you, which is certainly your relationship with your child and your own sort of need to protect them and, and keep them safe. But then also step back a little bit and take a bigger view at your context of your family and your community. And what role does this play in actually protecting your your whole family? 
a family that's bigger than just you and your child. Right. And Bethany does it in a way that's very supportive of yeah. other parents. And with that empathy and understanding that making the decision needs to be right for their family and yeah. uh, with the information that they have. Mm-hmm. She had such a so, cal- calming way of talking about this. I was, <laughs> I love listening to her voice. I was like, oh, she needs to do voiceover. Uh-huh. She's so... I know. I was like, I need. She needs to do audiobooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was lovely. So the next person that Chaz Wagner talked to is Perry Drift. My name is Perry Drift. I am an enrolled member of the Boys Ford Band of Chippewa, and my occupation is legacy coordinator for KBFT Radio. What are your main considerations when it comes to deciding about vaccines for your children? My thoughts on vaccines for children under six years old are very simple. I, you know, in my lifetime, I've been given plenty of vaccines. I just looked at my vaccine information recently, and I was updated on all my vaccine shots and everything. So I think the vaccines are good. They they help. Other people's thoughts may differ, but those are that's my main thought on that. I have five children in total. Their ages, starting from the youngest to oldest, is one years old, three years old, seven years old, eight years old, and ten years old. Right now, vaccinating my children is out of the cards. The mother of my kids and I have agreed not to vaccinate them. Uh, I'm vaccinated personally. I am, um, but she didn't doesn't want them to be vaccinated, and they mainly stay home predominantly. You know, so. Not that that makes it better or or worse or anything, but. This has all been a very stressful time for parents and families. How have you been holding up? I've been holding up pretty, pretty well. I'm still able to work now that I, I got my, received my vaccination. For my stress relief, I like to pray in the Anishinaabe language. That's been keeping me calm and serene throughout these troubling times. But, but yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. My advice or encouragement that I would like to share with other parents is just stay strong, just keep working hard, and you know we'll all get through this eventually. I can't wait for COVID to be over, personally. I know a lot of people can't wait, so the pandemic and the sickness and everything else is, it really taught us a lot about us as human beings that we crave social gatherings, we crave talking to each other in person, because I learned that you contract COVID through social contact, being around somebody who has it. And even us as human beings, knowing that we could get sick with COVID, you still see, you still see people socializing, talking with each other, you know, so that a virus isn't going to stop us from being human beings. And it's a beautiful thing, um, not COVID, but it's a beautiful thing that how humans, us as human beings, like to socialize and gather and talk with one another. Again, that was Perry Drift talking to Chaz Wagner. I feel for Perry. I hadn't really thought before about children with two parents where the parents might not necessarily agree on Mm -hmm. vaccinating their children. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, fairly common. You know, I've had a number of relatives... Um, in my own family that have 
been in a situation where they've, you know, they've not, their, the other parent hasn't been fully on board with the idea of vaccinating their child, right? And, um, you know, it does require, you know, agreement there. It does require consent of the parents and both parents have to consent, I think, quite frankly, especially if there's the, like the, the, the parents and the child, don't, uh, the child doesn't live with both parents. You can't sort of just, you know, do what you want as a, as a, as one parent without the, the, the contribution and the, and the blessing of the other, of the other parent. And I think that's an important thing to sort of recognize that sometimes like, you know, this is a point of contention for parents and it can add more stress to the relationship if it's already a stress relationship. And even if it's not a stress relationship, it can add more stress. I think it's important to talk about those things. I think it's important to talk about your fears and your anxieties and be transparent about those things. Um, and, and I think it's also important to to try to work through those differences and land on a place where you both together as parents can, can come to a, an agreement and an understanding of like, of, of what the path forward is going to be like and, and, and the decision that you both can live with as parents, right? And the acknowledgement of, of how stressful it how stressful it would be to be one parent, a parent that wants protection, full protection for your child, and then the other parent who is less, who is, who is really ambivalent and scared, right? It's important for those two parents to work that out. And I think more importantly also is to like make sure that you're not, that you're, as parents are owning that stress and you're not putting that stress on your child, right? Mm. So do mm. know that, you know, sometimes... You know, parents can like have those discussions in front of children, and I would encourage them sort of like to make sure that they're not doing this, at least not doing that, like because that would make um, the child confused. I think so. Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like both parents, Perry and Bethany, have good stress relief mm -hmm. strategies. Mm -hmm. Perry with prayer, and mm -hmm. Bethany with walks and gardening and art projects. So there is an outlet and kind of that like quiet time to um, to reflect and to, you know, allow yourself to have some relief by living in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then that's a good model too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really great. That's a really great way of teaching our children how to manage stress, how to modulate their own feelings and their own anxieties. And then, you know, mm -hmm. um, prayer is really helpful. We know that prayer um, helps with all kinds of health outcomes. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing to teach our children to be. Mm -hmm. Well, Anthony, it's been a joy chatting with you. Oh. Um, I really appreciate this chance to hear from parents and to think about the upcoming pediatric vaccines so thank you, Chimigwech, to Chaz Wagner and the voices you brought to this conversation. And uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation on into the future. Thank you. And thank you all for listening today as well. Chimigwech. I'm Anthony Staley. And I'm Leah Lem. Gigawabamin, and I wish you health.
Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.